alone as we go through these uh, verses. Help me to be able to uh, teach this passage, Lord. We know that every verse, every passage is in the Bible for a reason. You learn from it. Help uh, me to be able to apply it and help uh, the hearts of people to be ready to receive your word, Lord, as we uh, study this text tonight. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Matthew chapter 3. In Matthew, between Matthew 2 and Matthew 3... You know, uh, there's about 30 years there. We kind of fast forward from the birth and childhood of Jesus Christ in chapters 1 and 2 to the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And you got to understand, when Christ begins his ministry, he begins it with baptism. And I'm not going to preach on baptism tonight because I'm going to deal with that next week. But that's the first step after salvation. That's how you begin, baptism. That's what the Bible commands and that's what the Bible teaches. So we'll talk about that next week. But before we get to the baptism of Jesus Christ, the Bible here teaches us or introduces us to a man by the name of John. And it has to do that to explain to us the man that baptized the Lord. Now, in verse 1, the Bible says, in those days came John the Baptist. Alright? He is John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now, I like to make all the jokes just like every other Baptist. You know, and you hear Baptists say, you know, he was John the Baptist. He wasn't John the Presbyterian. He wasn't John the Lutheran, it wasn't non-denom John, he was John the Baptist. And I, you know, I like all those jokes too, but of course we know that John was not the founder of the Baptist Church, okay? He was called John the Baptist because he was baptizing, alright? Now what you do need to understand is this, and, and, and I, don't, I don't really have time to go into this because I, I want to get into the text, but you just give you, to give you a seed to think about. You know, at Verity Baptist Church, we're an independent church. We means means we're not part of a denomination. Even there are conventions within the Baptist. You have like the Southern Baptist or the American Baptist or the Missionary Baptist. We're independent Baptists. And you know, something you must consider is this. When you look at churches, if you can find their founder, alright, that's probably not the church that God wants you to have, okay? The beauty of the Baptist church is that you cannot go back into the history of Baptists and find a founder that founded the church. In fact, well, you can't find a founder, and his name is Jesus Christ, alright? So, you know, you go to the uh, Methodist church, and they trace their roots back to John Wesley. You go to the Catholic church, they they trace their roots back to Constantine the Great. You go to, you know, Whatever, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, they all have their founder. The Baptists have no founder. The Baptists have been a group of believers that have, uh, you can trace them back, I believe, all the way to Galilee, where Jesus Christ was. Just something for you to think about. John the Baptist was not the founder of the Baptist Church. But you know what? There were distincts, distinctions about this Baptist preacher that I believe are things we ought to pattern ourselves after. Now, in verse 1 there, the Bible says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching... Now, I want you to notice what it says here. In the wilderness of Judea. Okay? He was preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now, keep your finger there in Matthew chapter 3 and go to Luke chapter number 1. You're there in Matthew. Go to Mark and then Luke chapter number 1 and look at verse number 80. Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 80. John began his ministry in the wilderness, preaching in the wilderness. But you've got to understand this. Not only was John ministry in the wilderness, John was actually trained in the wilderness. Are you there in Luke chapter 1? 
Look at verse number 80. Now this verse is about John the Baptist. In Luke you find the, the most we'll find about the birth of Jesus Christ, the, the childhood of Jesus Christ, and then we also have the birth and childhood of John the Baptist. Uh, Luke 1 verse 80, the Bible says, And the child grew, okay, that's John, and waxed strong in his spirit. Now notice what it says, And was in the desert to the day of his showing unto Israel. Now I want you to notice this. John from a small child spent his childhood, the Bible, in the desert till the day of his showing. Till the day he came out and, and publicly started his ministry. He was in the desert. Now uh, uh, go back. Well, you can put your finger, keep your finger in Matthew. Go to 1 Kings chapter number 19. 1 Kings in the Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter number 19. I want you to understand this, okay? The great one of the, the the Bible actually Jesus actually says I don't think I'm going to take you there but Jesus actually says that John was the greatest man who ever walked on the earth of course other than the Lord Jesus Christ Jesus himself said that the greatest man other than Jesus the greatest preacher other than Jesus the the, the most you know filled with the power of God I mean John remember the story there when when Mary had uh, the child. Jesus in her womb, and Elizabeth had the child John in her womb, and when Jesus, when Mary came up to Elizabeth, the child John left in the, in the womb, when, when he sensed the Spirit of Jesus there, I mean, he was filled from the, from the womb, this man was filled with the Spirit of God, and had the power of God in his life, now here's what's interesting, the greatest preacher that ever lived, okay, you cannot find a college degree, you cannot find a Bible college degree, you can't find, you know, it wasn't, he wasn't trained in an institute, he wasn't trained by great men. He was trained literally by being alone in the wilderness, alone with God in the Word of God. And I'm here to tell you, that is the greatest training you will ever have. And look, I'm all for church. I'm all for preaching. You ought to come to church and hear the Bible preached. And I, I'm going to do my best, especially in 2014, I'm going to do my best to, to preach the most quality sermons and messages that I can think of. But I'm here to tell you, if you're going to grow spiritually, if you're going to be the man or the woman that God has called you to be, you're going to have to learn to get alone with God by yourself in a wilderness where it's just you and God, and that's where you'll grow. That's what you'll learn. That's, you say, I want to be used of God. John was mightily used of God because he spent his entire life in a wilderness, away from the crowd, away from the lights, away from everything that could distract him. Alone, I mean, look what age. The child grew and was strong in spirit and was in the desert to the day of his showing. If you want to grow in grace, look, you come to church and praise the Lord for it. And it's exciting to be around other believers in here. Dynamic preaching, excuse me. <laughs> and, and, and to get, you know, the Bible preaching, all that. But if you're going to grow, it's going to be you alone with God. Amen. Are you there in, uh, where is it? 1 Kings chapter 19? Look at verse 11. 1 Kings 19, verse 11. And I just want to show you a concept. This isn't really about Matthew. But there's a concept in Scripture you got to understand. This is the life of Elijah. Remember, Elijah was running from Jezebel. He was afraid and depressed at this time. And God wanted to show himself to Elijah. And in 1 Kings 19, verse 11, I just want you to find this concept. Verse 11, the Bible says, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and before uh, and behold, the Lord passed by. Okay, so God tells Elijah, I'm going to show myself to you. Behold, the Lord passed by. Now notice what happened, verse 11. And he said, Go forth. And stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And notice what it says. And a great strong wind ran the mountains. 
and break in pieces the rock before the Lord. Okay? So God tells Elijah, go to this place, and I'm going to pass by. And all of a sudden, Elijah hears this great, strong wind. I mean, I've never heard wind like this. Wind so powerful that it broke rocks into pieces. And I'm sure Elijah, when he heard that, he thought to himself, surely this is God. Surely I'm about to see God. But notice what it says. Okay, look at verse 11 again. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mountains before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But notice what it says. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. The wind passes by, and all of a sudden there's this huge earthquake. And I'm sure Elijah thought to himself, Okay, the Lord was not in the wind, but I'm sure the Lord is in this earthquake. But notice what it says. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12, and after the earthquake, a fire. And I'm sure Elijah right up, so, well, maybe this is it, the fire. You know, there was this wind, and there was this earthquake. Now there's this fire, and surely God, His presence and His power is in this fire. But notice what it says, verse 12, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, heard what? The still small voice. Then he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? I'm, I'm just here to tell you, you know, sometimes people, you know, uh, I, I grew in, and I'm not against this, and don't misunderstand me, there, there's nothing wrong with this. But, you know, as Baptists, especially, we'll get so excited, and people say, Well, I'm going to go to this big conference, and there's going to be thousands of people there, and they're going to bring in the big name preacher, and he's going to, you know, just a professional guy, he's going to preach so dynamic, and people are going to walk out. And it's going to be great. And I'm going to tell you, hey, praise the Lord for it. I'm all for preaching. I'm all for the conferences. You know, if, if the guy's not a liberal, hey, go go listen to preaching. Preaching, listen to all the preaching you can listen to online, on YouTube. Hey, get all of that. But I'm here to tell you, God is often in the still, small voice. Get all the preaching you want. Get all the dynamics you want. Get all the excitement you want. Get all the, but look, you need to get alone with God in the wilderness by yourself. And it's not going to be exciting. And it's not going to be light. It's not going to be all attractive. But when John was alone with God, I promise you, it wasn't the earthquake, Elijah. It wasn't the fire. It wasn't the, it wasn't the wind. But God showed up in a still, small voice. And that's what we need. That's what you and I need. Christian character is not built in the exciting conferences. It is built in the daily, when you get up, when you spend time with God, when you spend spend time in prayer, when you get alone with God in the wilderness. That's what we need. And that's what John the Baptist, that's what his preparation. Go back to Matthew chapter 3. Yeah, are you against? Look, I'm not against. I'm not. I'm not against the 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 big name preacher. You know, I'm against some of them. But you know what I mean. I mean, if they're good men, I'm not against them. But I, I'm here to tell you that we need to get away from this idea that you know we just need to be around a lot of people and get all the same. We need to get alone with God, and we need to just get alone in the wilderness with God. And that's what made John the great man. And the Bible says Jesus said he was the greatest man who ever lived. Matthew chapter three, look at verse two. John shows up. And he begins to preach. Notice a sermon. And saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And for this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Okay, let's just do the Bible study. Go to Isaiah chapter 40. You can write it in your notes or put it in your Bible there. Isaiah chapter 40. Because John the Baptist was a preacher or a prophet that was foretold about. Alright, verse 3 says, And this is he that was spoken by the prophet 
uh, it says Isaiah, Isaiah saying, okay, so let me give you that cross reference. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 and Isaiah chapter 40 Isaiah prophesied of this man who would come Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 I just want you to have the cross reference there the Bible says Isaiah 43 the voice of him that cries in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the Lord make straight in the desert a highway for our God okay so that's the the Isaiah gave us that prophecy that there would come a man who would be crying in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord and then of course Matthew tells us this man was John the Baptist. John the Baptist was foretold about by Isaiah. Alright, so get back to Matthew chapter 3. I just want you to have those notes. Look at verse 4. Because of course it's Bible study, so you should get those cross references there. Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 4. Now notice what the Bible tells us about John. Notice how he's described here. And the same John had his raiment. Okay, the word raiment means clothing. His raiment of camel's hair and a a leathern girdle Okay, so that's like his belt. Belt's made out of leather. His, his clothes or his shirt's made out of camel's hair. About his loins. And his meat, okay, that's his food, was locusts and wild honey. Now, some people like to say, well, the word locusts are actually he's talking about a fruit. You know, I, I like to take the Bible literally. And the Bible actually in the Old Testament makes references to people eating locusts. So, I, you know, this was, the Bible's describing for us, this was a wild man. What do you expect? He grew up in the wilderness. You ever, you know, you ever see somebody, they're kind of dressed funny, and they, you know, maybe they eat sloppy, people say, like, were you raised in a barn? I mean, this was John the Baptist. The guy, I mean, what's he eat? Locust? Okay? You know, I, I take the Bible literally, the guy's eating bugs, you know, and, he, and he's putting honey on it, you know, I'm sure that kind of helps it go down, alright? And, and he's got, I mean, his clothing is just camel's hair, uh, leather and girdle, uh, I mean, this guy is a rough, top guy. Now notice, now, the reason we know that the description there is given to us to show us that this is a tough guy, because Jesus actually makes a reference to this. Uh, go to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. I told you I'm only going through 10 verses. I'm already in verse 4. Okay, so we're doing pretty good. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, look at verse 24. Notice how Jesus describes John the Baptist. Luke chapter 7. In verse number 24, Luke chapter 7, verse 24. And when the messengers of John were departed, okay, so at this point, uh, John is in prison, and even though he's the greatest man who ever lived, other than Jesus, he's beginning to doubt some things, and he's thinking, am I doing the right thing? Is this really Jesus? Is Jesus really the Messiah? So he sends his, his messengers to go ask Jesus some questions. And while his messengers, they've already talked to Jesus, now they are departing. And Jesus began to speak about John. Notice what it says, verse 24. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. Okay, so Jesus is talking about John. Notice what he says. He says, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? Now notice the question mark there. Okay? He said, Is that what you were expecting? Is that... Now, now, now listen to me. I don't know about you. But as a man, I, I would not want to be the man that's described as a reed shaken with the wind. Does that sound like a tough guy? A reed shaken with the wind. Does that sound like someone who's strong? Does that, someone who, like, does that sound like someone who's full of courage? Okay, now notice what Jesus said. He's making the contrast. He said, what went ye out to see? A reed shaken with the wind, verse 25. But what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Now notice Jesus is making the analogy there to his clothing. He said, did you go out to see a guy clothed in soft raiment? 
He said, if you go out to see a guy, you know, dressed all trendy, with his little pink shirt, and his little, you know, lavender tie. He said, a man clothed in soft raiment. He said, behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled live delicately uh, are in king's courts. But what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, now no, this is the reference I've been, uh, the passage I've been making reference to, among those that are born of women, this is Jesus speaking about John, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he, than all the people that have heard him, and the publicans justify God being baptized with the baptism of John. So notice, Jesus says, look, did you go out to see a reed shaken in the wind? Did you go out to see a man dressed in soft raiment? Did you go out to see some weakling? He said, no, you went out to see a great man of God. He's talking about John. And, and, and the analogy there that he's making is that this guy is a tough, rough guy. Now you say, well, what's the application? Okay. Go to, go to Joshua, go to the book of Joshua, the Old Testament. Here's what you got to understand, okay? Today, our society has had this idea, and has put this idea, the media, and just our society in general, has this idea. If you're going to be a Christian, you're going to be some weak, effeminate, if you're a man that's going to be a Christian, you're going to be this weak, effeminate guy. That's, right. that's what our society teaches. I mean, I don't watch TV, I don't own a television, I don't own a television, I got greater things to do with my time. But you turn on the, 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 you know, the sin box there, and, you, and, and watch as they portray men in the, in the television, Christian men. They're always this weak, effeminate, you know, I don't want to confess your sins to, you know, confess my sins to you. But you know, when I, when I think that, I think, when I was, when I was a kid, there was this, uh, there's a show called The Simpsons. You know, and I'm sure it's still on. And I remember there was a, the token Christian on there. His name was Ned Flanders. And he was just this nerd, weak, girly, just didn't know anything. He was just the butt of everyone's jokes. And that's what society shows Christian men as. Right. But let me tell you something. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that men ought to be strong, they ought to be leaders, they ought to have courage. Are you there in Joshua chapter 1? Look at verse 6. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Notice what Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, what God is constantly telling this man Joshua, not just Joshua, but every man. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. The Bible says, be strong and have a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper with us thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night and thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Look at verse Nine, have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. That is what God tells men to be like. But you know what the average guy is like today? A reed shaken in the wind. And that's why churches are failing. That's why Christianity is failing in America. Because the average guy, even in church, is like a, like a, like a reed shaken in the wind. I mean, look, I understand we all go through trials, I understand we all go through tribulations, but if you're the type of guy who's just constantly up and down, yeah, I'm uh, ready to quit, you understand, you know, I'm going through this, and I'm ready to quit, and I'm going through this, and I'm ready to quit, and I'm going, look, get a backbone. Get a 
nation of America. Our society today wants to make men weak and effeminate. You know what they want to do with women? Make them strong and make them manly. They tell the guys, you know, like, embrace your feminine side. And they, and they tell, you know, excuse, excuse my language, but, you know, they, they, they tell the women, you know, the, 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 move, the movement in the 60s, burn your bra, you know, go get a job, don't let love not that man tell you what to do. That goes against the Bible. The Bible says he made male and female, he said he made them different, God wants women to act like ladies, to talk like ladies, to be like ladies, to, 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 to be, the Bible says they are to be, uh, to have a meek and quiet spirit, and God tells men to be strong and of a good courage, to lead, to not be weak. Hey, you know, throw away the pink shirt. Come on. Get a blue shirt. <laughs> just be a man. That's what John was. John shows up, and he's just, you know, I, I can see him, he's just got like a handful of locusts, I don't know how that would work, you know, with just like this clothing on, and he's just preaching, and he just shows up, and he's in the wilderness, and he's this man of God. And what's the God we have that today? Matthew chapter 3. And by the way, you know, people, people say, why well, people get, get upset at this type of preaching, it's right, you know, especially women, they'll come to this church. And like, we've had so many women leave this church. Just get mad. See, like that pastor. He's just, you know, he's some male chauvinist. You know, but you know what it is? Is is women in our society are not used to just, just they've never been exposed to a man who just stands up and has a backbone and has some hair on his legs and just sets it out. They're just not used to it. They're used to just weak men that are just constantly submitting to them. You know, we're, you're, you're the woman, I'm going to worship you. Hey, what's the guy look? We ought to have respect for women, we ought to love women. The Bible says that we are the uh, husband is to love his wife in the same way that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I'm not saying men should take advantage of their wives or anything like that, but I'm here to tell you, many to lead. Many to be strong. And stop being so weak. And stop being, look, if this is how we can describe you, a reed shaken in the wind, you need to get right with God. Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 5. I want you, I want you, I want you to notice what it says about John. And women ought to be godly and, and love their husbands. And, you know, just study what the Bible says about being a woman, godly woman. The, the Bible is very clear about it. Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 5. Then went out to him. Okay, where is John? He's in the wilderness, right? Now notice, then went out to him, Jerusalem. We're going to come back to that. And all Judea and all the regions round about Jordan. Okay, so everyone comes out to John. Alright? Now notice, why did they come out to John? What is John doing? Go back to verse number 1 of Matthew chapter 3. Look what it says. In those days came John the Baptist preaching. Do you see that word there? Preaching in the wilderness of Judea. So John shows up and he says, I'm going to start preaching. He begins to preach the word of God. Verse 5. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and the regions round about Jordan. Let me tell you something. The goal, uh, it was John the Baptist. He was, right? Are we Baptists here? Yes. Amen. So we are, we're supposed to pattern ourselves by this, right? And by the way, Jesus patterned himself to this. And I, we'll prove that later. Our goal, let me just, let me just make this clear. It's good for me to make this clear from time to time. The goal at Verity Baptist Church is to attract the crowd. If we're going to attract the crowd, it needs to be because of the preaching, the messages, the Bible preaching of this church. That's why they came out to John the Baptist, and that's why they come out, they should come out to this Baptist. For the preaching of God's word. 
then went out to him in Jerusalem and all Judea and in all regions round about Jordan, and they came out. Why? Because of the preaching in the wilderness. You know what I call this? Wilderness preaching. Does it, does it say here that they came out to John because of his music program? Does it say that they came out because of his, you know, children's ministries? Does it say that they, that they, they came out to him because of his grand facilities? He didn't even have any facilities. He was in the wilderness. They came out, why? Because he was preaching the truth. And you know what? These people were just sick and tired. Because keep in mind, keep the context of Matthew. For 400 years, they have not heard a prophet preach. You understand that? Malachi was the last prophet on the scene. 400 years have gone by before they've heard a genuine man of God stand up and preach the Bible. You know, they've had the scribes in, in, in fancy raiment. They've had the Pharisees. They've had the, the lawyers. They've had the high priest. John shows up and begins to preach and they say that he doesn't have a building. He doesn't have a nursery. He doesn't have, you know, the, the exciting music. He doesn't have anything. But he's got something everyone else is missing. He's got the Word of God. And they go to hear him preach. And if this church is going to grow, it'll grow through the preaching. And you say, well, it's not going to grow. Then it won't grow, but we're going we're to be faithful to the Word of God. Look at verse 6. And were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. And again, I'm preaching on baptism next week, but the importance of baptism is this. It's the first step toward getting right with God. It's the first step toward being right with God. The first thing God asks of us in our Christian life is to get baptized. Verse 7. But when he, wa- when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism... Okay, so now you've got the religious leaders coming, right? Because John, you know, he starts his, his little church there in the wilderness... Starts knocking on doors saying, hey, we're having church on Sunday. Love for you to come. Shows, you know, people show up. They're like, Where, where's the building? Oh, it's in the house. It's in my house. Where's your house? Why, I grew up in the wilderness. You know what I mean? He's like, well, where's the nursery? There is no nursery. It's family integrated. We're, we're, we're patterning ourselves, you know, with the Old Testament. Well, well what, what about your music ministry? Oh, we just sing the old hymns. You ever heard of the Psalms? That's what we're singing. You know, and he just starts preaching. But you know what? People are attracted to the truth. And they start coming. So then the religious leaders hear about it. So then they show up. Now notice what happens. Verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, Now notice what he says. Now, now, now please. Okay? I love, you know, I'm a, I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, so uh, whenever I, I get to read a sermon in the Bible, like it's exciting to me to hear, how did these guys preach? And let me just ask you a question, okay? Compare this to the liberal down the street. Compare this to the average contemporary pastor, you know, that stands up to preach with his Hawaiian t-shirt and his, and his shorts, okay? You know, the guy that says, come as you are, I'm going to preach in my flip-flops, and it's just going to be a ten-minute sermon. Okay, compare that guy's sermon to John's sermon. And by the way, Jesus preached this almost verbatim. Notice what he says. Oh, generation of vipers. You know what a viper is? It's a poisonous snake. Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Do you think he was? You think John got up this? You know, he said, "This morning, I just want to share with you." <laughs> oh, you know, he, he sat down. He had his turtleneck. He sat down. Oh, generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Anybody have any thoughts on that? You want to share? You think that's how John did it? I promise you, this guy. I mean, can you see him? He's just got the, the clothes on. I mean, this guy's just like, oh, generation of vipers. You know what I mean? See, this guy's just ripping it. Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meats for repentance. This is Bible preaching. This is Bible ministry. And what we have today 
is a bunch of weak, sissified preachers that stand up and they just want to they, they, they just want to make everyone feel good because they want to make sure you put money in the offering plate because they're only there to get a paycheck. Right. John was not there to make money. John was there to prepare the way for the Lord. And guess what we're doing today? We're preparing the way for the Lord. Amen. So, well, John was preparing for Jesus to come. Are we not preparing for Jesus to come? Amen. Is there not a Jesus on, uh, on His way that we must, you know, get people saved for and prepare His way? Now, I want you to notice this. Verse 8. Look, I said we're only doing 10 verses. We're already in verse 8. We're doing pretty good. Notice what he says. Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. Okay? Now, who's he talking to? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. So he's talking to religious leaders. Here's what you understand. John's preaching. Okay, these guys show up and he literally just starts preaching about them. He, I mean, he says, like, oh, generations of vipers who have warned, warned you to flee from the wrath to come. I mean, he's calling these guys out. He's telling the people, don't follow these guys. you got to understand this. John's preaching ministry was a warning ministry. Okay, go to Romans chapter 16. Just real quickly. Romans chapter 16. We're almost done. We're going to look at Romans. We'll look at a few more verses in Matthew and we'll be done. Romans chapter 16. Okay? Romans chapter 16. Sometimes people get mad at us. Because, you know, we'll be preaching, and, and, and from time to time I'll say something like, like, the Jehovah's, you know, I'll, I'll be talking about, you know, the deity of Jesus Christ, proving the deity of Jesus Christ. And I'll say, you know, like, the Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. And somebody will get mad, I can't believe you said that about the Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> I can't believe you said that about the contemporary church on the street, you know, whatever. But you know what? I, I defy you to show me in the Bible. I mean, in the Bible time, you find Paul, you find John, you find Jesus, you find John the Baptist. They are just calling people out, saying, don't listen to those guys. Though They're teaching bad doctrine. They're not the truth. Amen. That's biblical preaching. Romans 16, look at verse 17. Romans 16, verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. That's my job as a preacher, is to mark wrong prophets, bad prophets for you, so that you can avoid them. Now look, how can you avoid a bad prophet if I don't mark them for you? Do you know, you understand what mark means? It means identify them. How can you avoid, because look at the last part of verse 17, avoid them. How can you avoid a false preacher if he's not properly identified for you? Amen. So you have not get offended and upset when, when you know, we call out false preachers. Look, we're not about just calling out people or thinking about people. But look, it is our job to teach you the Bible and to warn you that there are some that would lead you astray. It was not good for these people to follow the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were bad people. But in Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 9. Matthew chapter 3, verse 9. And think not to say within yourselves. Because he, he just got done ripping on the, on the Pharisees, right? He says, think not to say within yourselves. We have Abraham for our father. For I say unto you that God is able these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. God is no respecter of persons. I'm not going to take the time to develop that. You can look that up on your own. It doesn't matter who your ancestors were. It doesn't matter who you're born to. It doesn't matter. You know, they say, well, we are the descendants of Abraham. It doesn't matter. Every person gets a chance before God. Everybody can be saved. Everybody can be used of God. God doesn't want to use me any more than He wants to use you. I can look at these great preachers of the past. I can look at John the Baptist. I can look at the Apostle Paul. And you know what? It gives me confidence to realize God wants to use me as much as He used them. Because God is no respecter of persons. Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 10. And now also... The axe is laid unto the root of the trees. 
Therefore, every tree which bringeth forth not, uh, bringeth forth good fruit is, uh, not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Okay? Now, uh, go back to verse number 8 real quick. Remember he said this to, to the, he's talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees, right? Religious leaders. In verse 8 he said, bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. In verse 10 he says, the ass is laid unto the root of the trees. Okay? What John is teaching us here is, an ex, is, is a teaching that Jesus later on is going to expound upon, and we'll deal with it then, but we'll deal with it now too. Okay? The way to judge a preacher is by their fruit. You notice you got the Pharisees and the Sadducees, religious leaders. And he says, bring forth their four fruits. Okay? And then he tells them, once he calls them out, he says, the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Go to Matthew chapter 7, real quickly. This is the last place we'll look at. We're done. Okay? Matthew chapter 7, it is 7.58. If I can be done in two minutes, we'll be done by 8. Okay? And that's pretty early. Matt, for us, for me. Matthew chapter 7. Okay? Look at verse 15. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Okay? I, I've dealt with this before, but I'll deal with it again because it's a prevalent talk. It's taught by the liberals, and it's taught by them because it calls them out. Verse 15, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, okay? This is Jesus speaking, by the way. You got a red letter edition. The letters are in red because this is Jesus' sermon that we're going to watch now. Okay, let's see how Jesus preached. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Okay, here's the warning that Jesus gives about about false prophets. You cannot judge them based on their exterior. You understand that? Because they come in sheep's clothing. They come dressed real nice. They come dressed and they look like, man, they don't, you know, I, I mean, if, if, if a sheep's coming up to you, are you going to be like, oh no, there's a sheep. <laughs> I mean, you're not afraid of a sheep. You feel comfortable with a sheep. That sheep makes me feel good. Every time I get around that sheep, I just feel encouraged. That, that is not that the average pastor. Every time I get around that pastor, I just feel so encouraged. He's just so warm and fuzzy. It just looks like a sheep. Okay, but look what it says. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. Here's the problem, though. But inwardly, they are ravening wolves. Now notice what it says, verse 16. Is verse 16 not in context of verse 15? Ye shall know them by their fruits. Now, here, here's what most liberals teach. You know, most liberals do not take the time to read the Bible or study it in its context. They'll take that one phrase out of context. And they'll just apply it to everyone. Is that person saying, well, by their fruits you shall know them. You shall know them by their fruits. Is that the context of that passage? No. Who are we talking about? False prophets. Who are we going to know by their fruits? False prophets. Because here's what they try to say. They try to add words to salvation. They'll say, well, that guy got saved, but I don't see any fruit, so he must not be saved. That is not the context of Matthew chapter 7. And either that preacher does not know what he's talking about, or he's just being intellectually dishonest, or he's not probably taking the time to study scripture and preach Bible messages. He's just regurgitating what he's been taught. You shall, know, you shall know them by their fruits is in the context of Jesus warning us about a false prophet. Okay? Now look at verse 16. You shall know them by their fruits. Okay? Now he's going to explain what he means. Do men gather grapes of thorns? If you go up to a bush filled with thorns, can you expect to get grapes from that? Or figs. Okay? A, 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 a fig is a fruit. Or figs of thistles. Okay, here's, what, here, here's what he's saying. You know, you, you have like a bramble bush. You know what I mean? It, it, I, I don't really know a lot about gardening. When I think of a bramble bush, I'm thinking of like a big, like, brown, just like, no leaves. You know what I mean? 
Okay? Can you go up to something like that and expect to get, like, fruit out of it? Okay. You go to an apple tree to get apples. You go to an orange tree to get oranges. Okay? He's saying, you go to, you go to thistles. He said, you, you, you go to uh, thorns. You're not going to get... Here's what he's saying. You're not going to get fruit from thorns. Okay? It's not the right tree. Verse 17. Even so. The words even so mean in the same way. Every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. So a good tree is going to bring forth good fruit. Good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Okay, that's the context. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. He's saying, look, a corrupt tree brings forth corrupt fruit. An evil tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree brings forth good fruit. And you can't mix them up, okay? Every, verse 19, Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Verse 20, Wherefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. Ye shall know who? A false prophet. So how do I know if a prophet is the right prophet? See, you, you don't know how most people judge if a prophet, if a pastor, if a preacher is a good prophet. You know how they judge him? How's he dressed? Oh man, look at that guy. He's dressed nice. He, he's What's he drive? Alexis? Oh, he must be successful. Yeah, the power of God must be on his life. Have you seen his facilities? Have you seen the building? I mean, it's so, I mean, the auditorium is just so beautiful. That's how most people judge whether the power of God is on you. How does the Bible say? To judge whether the power of God is on you. Check out their fruit. Talk to their fruit. You say, what, what is a fruit? What are they producing? You know, what are they producing in that church? I, I know they got a thousand people there on Sunday morning. But, but when you go and talk to the fruit, and no one's saved, no one's living right. I mean, the whole church is just drunk. They're just a bunch of drunkards. They're a bunch of fornicators. They're just living in sin. And here's the problem. They don't even know it's wrong. You know what that tells me? The fruit's corrupt because the tree's corrupt. The fruit is evil because the tree... Well, the tree looks so good! You don't judge it by the tree because it'll look nice. You judge, you judge it by the fruit. And John looked at these men, they said, Man, your dress real nice. Man, your vehicles, they look nice. And I've seen your facilities, they're, they're not really something for us to compare here at the Wilderness Baptist Church. But your fruit is corrupt. And you are corrupt. And that's how you judge a preacher. You want to judge a pastor who is the right preacher or not? Check out my fruit. Check out the people that come to this church. Ask them about their salvation. Ask them about, you know, and by the way, that ought to be a, 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 a challenge to you. Live right. Get right with God. Don't, don't, you know, live like the devil and blame that on me. I think I'm trying to do as good of a job as I can to preach to you the Bible and get you to be right with God. Amen. You need, to, now here's what's interesting. Go back to Matthew 3, look at verse 10, and we'll finish right here. And now also the ass is laid unto the root of the tree. If you're going to take care of a sin problem, you've got to take care of it at its root. Most people like to take care of the symptom. They don't like to take care of the problem. You understand that? Most people, you know, I, I got a headache. What am I going to do? Go take an aspirin. That takes care of the symptom. What's the problem? What gave me that headache? You know, and, and sin problems, people like to, well, I've got this sin, you know, I've got this problem, my marriage is falling apart, my finances are falling apart, i got this problem, i got that problem. And they want to go do all these things to take care of the symptoms. Hey, take care of the problem, the root problem is sin in your heart, get it out of your life. Right, you said the ass is laid unto the root of the trees. You said take care of it at the root. This is wilderness preaching. This is wilderness Baptist church with their pastor, John the Baptist. 
Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. Thank you for Bible study night. Thank you for these dear people that will take time out of their busy schedules on January 1st, which for some, I guess, is a very special day, but we know that every day is a life we get to serve you. That they would come to church, that they would learn the Bible. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be real Christians. To not, not be so just looking for the outside. Looking for, you know, just what's impressive on the outside. Realizing that John did not have a lot of things to impress people with. But here's what he did have. The Bible. The Word of God. He was a faithful preacher. I pray you'd help us to endeavor to be like John. To deal with sin. To not be corrupt. Thank you for the example of John the Baptist, this great man. Lord, I pray you'd bless those that are here to apply the things that we learn to our lives, Lord. That our hearts would be right with you. Help us to take care of sin at its root, which is our hearts. We love you, Lord, in your precious name I pray. Amen.